In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one out, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Bet Online and Indeed. My name's Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Martin. Joined as always by one of the co-owners at Road of His, it is Sean Siegel. Sean, another week in the books, some huge performances which we'll be talking about on today's show and we're also going to have a, a special guest on today's show. Uh, we're going to be joined by Mike Leone of uh, Established a Run, we're going to be talking to him about some of those big performances and uh, a big, big week for him with a, a monster uh, 300 plus point uh, performance in week 12. So, uh, looking forward to having him on the show uh, in just a couple of moments. But uh, before we do, Sean, as always, um, h- how's things going this week? Uh, did you have a did you have a good week from a, a fantasy perspective? Good. Yeah, it was mixed. We uh, went two and one in FFPC main event semifinals. Well, after the big game from Will Fuller on Thursday night was a pretty heavy favorite in all three leagues so you had a little bit of disappointment to drop the one contest but uh, certainly can't complain about being in two main event finals our chasing OT team that cruised to the championship in terms of regular season most points best record it also column is going to go down so that's a disappointment for the show the other draft that i had done with with pete and pat and our friend ben gretch that team scored 219 points so a zero running back success story there so one and one in fpc two and one in the main event uh getting into a handful of finals very exciting overall yeah it should be good and my week in general kind of went about the way that, that you mentioned there uh kind of split across the board in terms of how those teams performed and uh some some of those leagues it hasn't really affected the outcome because the teams are in strong positions but a couple of them have put me right on that uh cusp of in or out so a couple of must win weeks coming up here a couple of leagues where uh we have divisions in them and um you know i'm i'm basically one game back with two to play but i do have the advantage of playing that competitor uh, as well in the division so we can turn things around here in the next uh, two weeks or so and make that push to get in for those championship rounds but um an interesting uh, week as a whole and um, we're going to discuss that uh, in detail on both today's show and thursday's show as we get to that later in the week but we're going to be joined uh, now by mike leone so i think uh, sean the best thing to do is uh, to jump straight into it because we've recorded this already and we know it's a really fun conversation we'll be back on the other side of it so i've been joined now by mike leone i find mike obviously on twitter at two hats one mike he is the director of analytics at establish the run and mike uh, i know i know sean's been wanting to get you on the show for quite some time he has some interesting questions and topics lined up for you here so uh, thanks for jumping aboard the show yeah thanks so much for having me on guys well, Mike, we're in a dynasty best ball league together, and you run this league, and it's been one of the most fun leagues, I think, to 
to play, to play in and track this year, even though sometimes best ball leagues, since you're not setting lineups, you know, you don't follow them as closely. One of the best parts about this league was that the startup, which happened this summer, was a slow auction. Tell listeners a little bit about how this works and why, I assume you agree with me on this, why everyone should do their startup as an auction instead of a snake draft. Yeah, absolutely. So this was back in, I think, like March, early April, sometime around there when COVID first hit, we didn't have sports. Uh, me, Anthony Amico, and Davis Maddock were looking for something to do, and we decided to try and design you know, the best setup we could for a dynasty league. And we had toyed around with doing a regular snake draft, but then saw that my fantasy league had the auction functionality. And it really just adds another element to to the game. And I, I agree with you. I think everyone should do their startup draft via auction versus a snake draft if they can, because there's so much dynamic strategy. And, and you can speak to this a little bit too, Sean, but there's the strategy that you sort of understand with regular auctions going into it. But with it being a slow auction, essentially what happens is each league member can nominate up to five players at a time. And there's a 16 hour clock on when those players, uh, are due for their auction to be completed. But each time a new max high bid comes in on these players, the 16 hour clock resets. So, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, being up at two o'clock in the morning if someone's timer is going to expire. But with that in mind, there's a lot of strategy with your outstanding bids. You know, you don't want to have too much money tied up. If you, if there's a last second bid, you do want to get in on a guy you think is going to get, go for too cheap. Uh, there's, strategy as far as your nomination you know if you especially towards the end you know you can only nominate five players at a time so you need their auctions to expire before you can nominate more players so there's just so many elements to it and we included trading of the auction dollars right in the draft as well as future draft picks so there was a whole lot going on sean that that was kind of an across the board explanation because it's almost hard for me to pin down even exactly where to start with uh, the fun that was that slow auction. Yeah. And you mentioned that you don't necessarily have to be up at, at two in the morning, but I have to say that I did actually set an alarm a couple of times <laughs> for the middle of the night because <laughs> sort of the order that the players come off the board can make a, a real difference in terms of, of how you're managing your money. So, so there are a lot of fun and maybe niche aspects to it, but I think that the best thing is that then you don't have excuses, right? And you can put together the team that you want. So when you're doing these startups, I think everybody has been in this situation where now this is a super flex league. Super flex is awesome. It should be the way that everybody plays. And that does balance out the first round to an extent, but everybody's been in the situation where you're in a league, it's doing a startup. You draw like the ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th pick. And, and you're already starting this league that you're very excited about that you have a lot emotionally invested in. Maybe there's a high dollar buy-in that you're financially invested and then you're already way behind. And in an auction, that's not the case, right? If you don't get Christian McCaffrey, it's because you weren't willing to bid high enough. You can't go back and complain, well, I didn't have the top pick. If you didn't get Mahomes, if you didn't get Jackson, if you didn't get you know, Kyler Murray, you know, those were your choices. And so I love this. It takes a little bit longer. I think that's a plus, not a minus. It's pretty exciting. Um, you know, just... Being able to control your own destiny and just also then having the extra excitement, I think it's a no-brainer. This this draft was a blast, and um, and I follow it every week. So speaking of following it every week, 
Uh, before we let Colin jump back in, I, I wanted to follow up because one of the reasons why we invited you on this week, like Colin mentioned, we've wanted to have you on. Uh, but this week was a fun week to do it because you scored 305 points. Now, you know, there are a few player bonuses that moved up like a, a Tyreek Hill, you know, to the 70s. But even though this is a best ball league with 10 starters, including Superflex, this is the highest weekly score I can remember seeing in a league that doesn't include IDP, you know, in like <laughs> 20 guys. Your starters averaged over 300. Take us through this crazy week. How did you get to 300? Yeah, I mean, it was absolutely insane. And, you know, we do start a little bit deeper as far as flex players, but uh, I'm looking at my eight skill players. And of my eight skill players between running back, wide receiver, and tight end, two of them scored one touchdown, four of them scored two touchdowns, and two of them scored three touchdowns, which is is absolutely wild. Sometimes you get those big yardage catch games, but the touchdowns don't follow. But everyone here was finding pay dirt in addition to huge games from Tyreek Hill, as you mentioned, Will Fuller. So it was it was fun to track. And it started early with the Thanksgiving Day game from Will Fuller. And then, uh, you know, Derrick Henry in the early slate on Sunday, Tyreek Hill late slate uh, on Sunday or the afternoon side of things on Sunday. So it was broken up. So it was really fun to follow. And then even, I mean, of those guys that scored two touchdowns, you know, James White's in there, Latavius Murray's in there, guys that you aren't really uh, expecting ceiling out of on your roster. So it was a lot of fun going into the Monday night game knowing I needed, I think I needed about 19 points from Goddard to get to that 300 marker. And, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, you know, it helps my position for the playoffs because the way we set up this league is kind of NFFC style where the five teams that make the playoffs out of the 12 compete weeks 14 to 16 in a points chase, but your average from your regular season carries over as like the week one of the four week score. So it, it helps me there. It doesn't move the needle a ton, but you know, fantasy is for fun and uh, it doesn't get too much more fun than putting up 300. I did too want to jump back just real quick on your note about how you have no excuses in the auction you know, style format for the dynasty. But, and part of the reason I love dynasty too, is there's a lot less group think in dynasty and the, the player valuations change a bunch. The overall strategy changes a bunch. People are kind of on their own wavelength and the auction, I felt like just added even more to that where there was just this unknown, you know, you can't find dynasty auction values anywhere. So, uh, that was really appealing to me. Everyone sort of figuring this draft out on the fly. And I think that's part of the probably the reason why it's still obviously a growing for, format, but it hasn't just jumped quite to the level, you know, that Superflex has taken on and we haven't jumped across to auction in the same way just yet. I think it's coming, but I think like you mentioned, there is a little bit more work to do in your own. So I think the, the hardcore players like ourselves are, are in auction formats, but when some people maybe want to go and get those kind of dollar value amounts to, to put down on certain players, that's not available at many places online. And then, as you mentioned, it varies so much from player to player or person to person uh, what you're going to give up for certain players but uh, really fun I've, I've joined a few auction uh, formats some similar over the last couple of years but I, I really think that uh, this is kind of something that's going to continue to develop I'm just going to go back to it uh, for somebody who maybe is listening who hasn't had an auction league yet I think this is the time of year if you're thinking about setting up dynasty leagues maybe you're thinking ahead to February March time what would be your pitch for them to to make that auction league versus just the standard redraft if you had to give them your 30 second pitch 
Well, if you want to introduce more tilt into your drafts, I'll tell you, there's nothing more <laughs> tilting than losing a bit on a, a player at the end of a 16-hour clock and not having the money to uh, overcome that. So uh, you can really throw your, your opponents and your league mates off. It's ripe for trash talking like a regular auction league is where you might bid up some players on, on some guys. And you know this extends over a full week. So that and just the dynamic aspect, if you do it before the NFL draft too, you know, we included the rookie picks in the auction. So we had those in there. You could trade dollars for future draft picks, which really set up for, you know, some people like myself went all in on this year. Some other people like Davis Maddock and Pat Corain, they're in like this tank fest right now. They're neck and neck to see who's going to get the number one overall pick next year. So uh, it's just so much fun in so many ways. Yeah, and I think you touched on something that I, I thought was one of the most fun parts is not when it happens to you, but when you can do it to maybe tie somebody's <laughs> money up again is when you can uh, when you can just reset that clock in the last kind of minute or so. It's it's something that can can add a lot of entertainers, and particularly if if you have a, a group chat or something like that going, as you mentioned with the trash talk. But um, obviously, we've seen some big performances over the last couple of weeks. You've mentioned a few of them, and Derek Henry. Uh, obviously, Will Fuller is not coming in this conversation with the the current situation, but uh, Derek. Henry and uh, obviously Tyreek Hill uh, had such a monster day as well um, this past week so there's a number of players that are looking like they could potentially be that kind of championship winner for uh, those rosters out of Henry or Hill uh, do you think either of those guys will continue this run through the kind of playoff postseason and fantasy football Um, and is there one of them that you prefer over the other to, to have that consistency? I prefer Derrick Henry because we've been, you know, the propaganda machine has told us December is coming, right? So it's here. It's here. You know, December is here. So it would just be a letdown if it didn't happen. But in all seriousness, if you look at the schedule, I try not to overanalyze schedule stuff, but we are at the point where we kind of know who teams are. And Henry for the playoff stretch is going to get Jacksonville, Detroit, and Green Bay, which is three. You know, really strong matchups for him. And, you know, he's somewhat game script proof, but it's still nice to get uh, him, you know, hopefully front running weeks 14 and 15. And then the game against Green Bay uh, hopefully will be a good pace game. And Green Bay is kind of known for, you know, almost by design, allowing some work in the run game in order to limit the passing game for opposing teams. So I prefer Henry to Hill as far as if you're going to pick one guy uh, to really go nuts for your playoff run. But what's crazy with Tyreek Hill and interested your guys' take on this, the first half of the season, you know, his target share was really mundane, you know, was sub 20% for, I think, through week five, through a handful of weeks. And now we've seen three straight, I think, 30 plus percent target share games out of Tyreek Hill. So in my mind, I'm evening that out, have him as more of you know a 25% target share guy. Uh, but if he were to remain a 30 plus percent target share guy, the combination of playing with Patrick Mahomes in an offense that is just really put the pedal to the metal. You know, they in terms of pass rate over expectation, the Chiefs the last few years have had some of the highest uh, of the last decade, and this year they seem to be even taking that a step further in the regular season. Yeah, I was wondering what your thoughts were on that aspect of it. And also this element where perhaps teams are dictating a little bit and the Chiefs and especially Patrick Mahomes can kind of take what he's given. You look at teams like the Arizona Cardinals right now, who I think are trying to take what they're given and it's been a disaster for them. (laughs) They've been moved off their best players very easily and 
then their ability to manage the game has been very, very exposed. Where with Patrick Mahomes, if you give him Travis Kelsey, he's going to beat you that way. If you give him Tyreek Hill, he's going to beat you that way. If you give him the guys that are bad, like Sammy Watkins and uh, well, maybe not McCole Hardman, who dropped what would have been another you know, 70 yard touchdown in that game. But it doesn't really matter to him. How much of this is defense saying and looking to the explosion in that first quarter? Oh, well, because you're not using Hill maybe as much as you should, we can defend a little bit more in a neutral fashion versus teams knowing they have to take Hill away. Yeah. I mean, I have a tough time really knowing, you know, how, not, not necessarily the impact of that, but like how predictable that type of stuff is. I think it certainly makes the chiefs offense as a whole really robust. And we've even seen games too, where, you know, they'll hand it off to the backs. If you're going to give them seven yards to carry, like they did against the Buffalo bills. Uh, but as far as moving forward, you know, our team's going to adjust to that. Uh, I, I think he'll certainly, you would have thought going into this game, he would have got some more attention with his recent performances, but uh, certainly moving forward, he's going to. And I think what's also interesting to me is I felt like last year, and maybe this is too narrative driven, but I felt like last year, the Chiefs they did have some injuries too, where they're banged up a little bit at times. You know, Hill missed some games, Mahomes missed a couple of games, but it felt like they were you know coasting a little bit through the regular season last year. Of course, they did end up lucking into the bye when the Patriots lost at the end of the year. But we saw them even more pass happy in the playoffs last year. We saw them you know go from this running back by committee situation in the regular season to giving Damian Williams ninety plus percent of the touches come playoffs, and it was really interesting to me to see. Oh, I, I was not high enough on the Chiefs going into the playoffs last year because they sort of just turned the dial up on a couple of these things, and they were they were playing for keeps in the playoffs versus the regular season. It felt like they were holding back. This year, I don't really get the sense that they're holding back in the regular season. It really seems like uh, they've gone somewhat full bore. It feels kind of with the Chiefs to me a little bit like we're you know we're kind of they won the Super Bowl, so people are just expecting them to be a juggernaut there, there's not a huge amount of talk up until this past week kind of about how, how they've been going but if we look through the numbers like i'm just looking here i'd say to, i'd say to one game uh hell has at least one touchdown in every game this season you know he, he has 13 touchdowns through the air one rushing touchdown um is 101 targets and he's already over a thousand yards with those 13 touchdowns so like you know we're talking about the target share at the start of the season it seemed like it was kind of a a quiet start but when we look back at the numbers it's just phenomenal what he's done so far i I don't expect to see what we've seen this past week but if there's any player who can who can put that up as tyreek hill but if you look even the two games before that um over 100 yards and uh at least one touchdown in both of those as well so with hell you'll have those weeks where it drops down but what we've seen with him over the last kind of basically this season we haven't seen games where even when he hasn't had the big numbers in terms of targets or yards or touchdowns he's had a combination of one or the other which has left you with a pretty strong uh overall scoring for that particular week players who have been a little bit up and down over the season and uh, i suppose with mike evans you know we're, we're looking at this box offense kind of in the opposite way that we're looking at the the chiefs offense that has just not been very consistent as of late but um can somebody like mike evans or maybe we'll see chris godwin come back again or, or calvin ridley can any of those guys join that conversation i thought ridley was prime for uh, a big day after he had his touchdown uh, this past week but it, it kind of slowed down quite a bit after that 
Yeah, the Atlanta passing game in general has been really disappointing as someone whose last remaining FFPC main event team is clinging um, to just some sort of life. And I have uh, Matt Ryan as a Dak Prescott owner. Uh, unfortunately, um, it, it's been really frustrating to watch, but I do think Ridley has the best chance to ascend because if Julio is going to be banged up, the target share can get really high. I, I mean, almost your best case scenario is if you get Julio in there, but maybe he's not, you know, quite full strength. So he gets some attention from the defense. He allows the offense to run a little bit more efficiently than it has been, but he doesn't cut into that huge target share that we're expecting out of Calvin Ridley. Um, which which does change dramatically from when Julio is kind of the alpha there. So I, I'm pretty high on Calvin Ridley. The Tampa Bay situation is so difficult because there's just so many guys on a given week. Uh, you know, even even sometimes Cameron Bray will sneak in there into the end zone, and uh, that that's number five behind Gronk, Evans, Antonio Brown, and Chris Godwin. I, I do think the offense is going to roll through the fantasy playoffs. They've struggled, but they're at a point. The way I look at it is is Brady's skill level at this point in time, his arm strength at this point in time, when he's in these really negative situations against tough defenses, it's not going to go well. You know, we saw that against the Rams. We saw that against the Saints. But I think we're also going to see the talent around him is too strong for him to not succeed and put up some pretty big numbers against some of the inferior defenses. And they're also pretty high up there in pass rate over expectation. So even though the game script might not be ideal for pass volume, I, I think he's going to start getting there on efficiency in this playoff stretch where he faces Minnesota, Atlanta, Detroit, uh, you know, two dome games there, one home game against Minnesota. So I, I think they could roll and Antonio Brown might surprise people. You know, he's had a lot of opportunity and left whether it's his fault or Brady's fault or, or some combination, um, there's been a lot more fantasy points to be had uh, than, than he's given. And, and one note on the Tyreek Hill thing that you mentioned earlier in the year, him succeeding even when the target share wasn't great. They're tough. The Chiefs are tough to predict for outside the red zone because he, as we've seen, they can score on so many big plays. But when they get down there, they really manufacture touches for Hill on you know the jet sweeps, the end arounds. They manufacture touches for Travis Kelsey on like some of those shovel pass screen plays. So uh, that, you know, you definitely feel better from the floor that if Casey's going to score, even though there's a lot of guys that can do it, you know, Kelsey and Hill seem to be pretty robust in, in the different ways they can get there. Mike, it's been a blast to have you on and we know you're super busy. We have to let you get back to the rest of your work. But before we let you go, give us a bold prediction for the listeners focused on the fantasy playoffs. What's going to come out of nowhere and really determine the 2020 titles. Can I go with Antonio Brown already, already discussed him. That was kind of guy I had in the back of my mind. I think this Tampa Bay offense is going to put up a lot of points. I, I know, I think public perception is that they're really underwhelming. Um, I think some of that's due to expectation and, and when I say public perception, sometimes I mean like the niche public that I follow and not the general mass public where uh, kind of like the niche fantasy industry looks at the overall general public as overrating Tampa Bay. But I really think they're going to get there and put up some numbers weeks 14 to 16. And if there is a surprise to be had there, it's going to be some really big weeks out of Antonio Brown. That would be great. We uh, Curtis and I in our FFPC uh team that has now won in the semifinals is heading into the finals and then has the three-week run for the big money 
we're doing fine. We can't complain. There's nothing to complain about when you're in that situation, but we keep hemorrhaging players. Will Fuller going on suspension being the last one. So if Antonio Brown could come out and be sort of the race for the big money savior, that would be great for us. Mike, it's been awesome having you on the show. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on guys. Really enjoyed it. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to help keep your business going. Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with your candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is really and truly back in full swing, and you might not be at a game this year, but you can still bet on all the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you have every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can also get their great bonuses and you can start wagering on wins, divisions and even championship futures. So let's get your Super Bowl bets on and that is available all day, every day. Head on over to Bet Online today and take full advantage of those great sign-up bonuses. And don't forget to use the code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, to get yourself one of those great bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business, and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show. As I mentioned as well, uh, before we had Mike on there, I just want to make sure if you're not following on Twitter, you do so uh, two hats, one Mike, and that is uh, the number two and the number one, and then the name Mike, so at two hats, one Mike. Well worth a follow on Twitter, and as I mentioned, he is the director of analytics for Establish the Run, so do check Mike out. Thanks again to him for jumping on the show, uh, being somebody we've been looking to get on for quite some time. Uh, and, and I think that was a, a really fun conversation, Sean. As we move on to the, the second portion of the show here, we're going to be looking a little bit at Blair Andrews' uh, work up on the website. And uh, as always, 
anything Blair related, as I always say, is uh, is top class work. Um, it's it's an interesting look back at week twelve and lots of data, lots of information in it. Is there anything in particular that you wanted to to highlight in this week's EP report? Well, he starts off talking about J.D. McKissick and how prior to week twelve he was putting up some Austin Eckler esque target numbers. But you weren't exactly going to confuse the two of them. Looking at McKissick here, he is in the very last place in terms of fantasy points over expectation at the running position, at minus 36. So with all of those targets, you would have expected him to score more points. He's on our main event team. He didn't put up a lot of points for us this week, but he's been one of the reasons why we were able to kind of get across and into the playoffs. We appreciate what he's done, but He's obviously not a star here. The back's in the same conversation with him. David Montgomery, minus 27. Ezekiel Elliott, minus 27. Peyton Barber. So we have two Washington backs on this list. Peyton Barber has barely played, and yet it's still minus 18. And then, sadly, Devin Singletary, despite his (laughs) breakout game this week, also at minus 17 there. We have two Washington backs on the list, but... We also have a big success story there with Antonio Gibson breaking out. Do you have any thoughts on this Washington backfield call? I was actually like I have actually shares of Gibson from this offseason, you know, in, in the draft process. JD McKissick is somebody who was intriguing as kind of one of those players based on his usage over the last kind of month or so to get in, you know, if you had those zero running back teams to, to try and see what you could patch together. Um you know, you mentioned Austin Eckler-esque. Eckler coming back into the fray this week and probably getting a bigger workload than people were expecting. It uh, could have been an even bigger day. Stopped just a millimeter short of a touchdown. But the backfield here is interesting. I think both running backs have kind of been looking a little bit better with Alex Smith and his quarterback. I think in terms of, we we all know from the past of Smith's usage with running backs, passing out of the backfield, um, how things work there. And I think both running backs have been pretty successful uh, doing so. I think, you know, there's a there's a clear uh, person to own in the backfield in terms of moving forward, and that there is uh, Antonio Gibson. But I think J.D. McKissick will still have uh, those games this season, you know, and he could be that kind of dark horse to, to propel you to a league winner. But it, it's hard to um have huge faith in the washington offense as a whole you know obviously terry mclaurin's putting up you know very impressive numbers based on what the offense as a whole is doing and um, the running back numbers are, are pretty well up there as well in terms of just for uh washington and what they are doing but again it's uh it's not the best offense you're going to see in the world but i think both guys are going to have value here as we go into this closing stretch and i have been impressed with what gibson's done this season based on you know the expectation coming in was very much uh i think it was pretty it's fair to say it was split some some of us thought it was gonna be uh, a massive season for him um you know coming in out of college and you know the transition to the running back position some people thought that it was going to be a, a failed experiment i think he's shown enough to have some faith in him moving forward here as a, an NFL running back and that team in general if you look at as I mentioned there with McLaurin with Chase Young as well um you know as the rookie uh, defensive end I think they're they're building something that's you know a lot more positive than they have over the last couple of years but um uh, I, I think um, I'm happy to start either one of these guys moving forward into the playoffs Sean are, are you starting both with confidence I know it was a, a big big week obviously for Gibson I'm probably moving back off of McKissick here going forward. Obviously, you have to have some other options, but it's been fun to see him give people 
a chance. It's not just zero running back owners who have been in a little bit of difficulty during this time period. We've talked about the running back dead zone being very dead in 2020. There have been injuries to some of those top guys. Obviously, you're not going to bench someone like an Alvin Kamara, but we have seen some specific developments within offenses also take down running backs ezekiel elliott not scoring points now with the situation there in dallas and so anybody who can help you kind of get across and into the playoffs has been a big weapon it's been fun to see how some of these guys have emerged in the case of gibson the zero running back top 15 candidates the update this season has been very very helpful we talk about how despite what you might think the zero running back teams that are drafted the latest actually have the most success getting a sense of you know who those guys are who maybe they're still a backup or maybe they still have a questionable volume situation but suddenly you're starting to see where that jump might happen on that update list we had james robinson obviously he's been a revelation gibson now looks like someone who is a dynasty star uh, i tried to make a trade a week ago or so with our friend tj calkins and uh, that was dalvin cook for gibson plus a couple of pieces <laughs> and tj came back and said that he wasn't comfortable giving up those pieces and he thought gibson would be at the same level of cook in a year or so uh, that looks very possible the way things are trending ronald jones also on that list once Leonard Fournette was signed to Tampa Bay then Jones became cheap enough to land on some zero running back teams and that's worked out quite nicely Ronald Jones has been the guy that we expected and now finally Bruce Arians is saying he needs a bunch of touches per game I don't expect that to happen but again Jones making some highlight real plays we can continue to expect him to have that burst if he gets a little bit more volume, hopefully that'll help us. One of the things interesting here that uh, Blair was kind of teasing in his title, uh, sort of a, a fun headline, was that you can start the worst running back in the NFL, but you probably can't start the worst wide receiver. His contrast here was to A.J. Green, who he's the only player with more negative fantasy points over expectation than McKissick. He's at minus 52 one of the fun things you can do on the side is pull up the best ball win rates tool. Blair was looking at the pre-week 12 numbers, McKissick there at 17%. A.J. Green, by contrast, down there at 5%. He hasn't been above 6% all season. And that kind of takes us into the second interesting topic, especially with T. Higgins scoring there toward the end of that gross Cincinnati game. Actually, uh, posting a viable fantasy score despite the new quarterback situation Blair points out that Higgins is one of several rookies to be leading the team in efficiency Higgins at plus 14 Tyler Boyd having another solid season at plus nine those are good numbers when you're doing them with a rookie quarterback who's having to run for his life beyond uh, behind a bad offensive line we also see Justin Jefferson leading the Vikings, which is pretty crazy because Adam Thielen is at plus 44, right? So to see Justin Jefferson above him at plus 62, those are crazy numbers. And then again, Chase Claypool at plus 29. That's ahead of Juju Smith-Schuster at plus 20. We also have the cool numbers in here where there are only two guys with more positive fantasy points over expectation than Justin Jefferson. And those are Tyree Kill, sort of the man of the hour, and then Will Fuller, 
uh, sort of the man of the last hour, but now public enemy number one, Fuller announcing uh, that he has tested positive for, or in some way, shape, or form, has violated the performance-enhancing drugs rules. Uh, Colin, take me through uh, these rookies and where you see them for the fantasy playoffs, maybe where you see them next year. But T. Higgins, we were talking about the Cincinnati game before the show started. Uh, What are owners going to do with him now heading into a potentially a must-win week 13 and then looking at 14, 15, 16 with just the debacle that is the quarterback situation in Cincinnati? Yeah, it's it's really tough, and listeners of the show will know that myself and yourself will have Tyler Boyd uh, on a lot of rosters. And this past week, I mentioned to you before the show that um one of the t- games I lost this week by by a mere three points was one of, a crucial a crucial game, but it, it was mainly down to my reluctance to pull Boyd from that starting lineup. And if I had pretty much started uh, five or six different options <laughs> in the flex, I would have I would have came out on top. So there's those decisions. You know, Higgins did salvage his day. And what was one of the worst NFL games I've seen in, in quite some time, um, and uh, very very t- tough to watch. But I think it's going to be a really difficult call here over the next couple of weeks on Higgins. I think if you do have better options, I think the Cincinnati offense is one to avoid over the the next couple of weeks. I think some people might be in a situation where they don't have alternative options, but I do think if you have some people that you could potentially put in there over Higgins, over Boyd, I think that's the way to look. Um, although it's going to be a very difficult, uh, you know, thing to switch out in those rosters. You mentioned though the rookies, and I know we've talked about it, Sean. The listeners have heard us talk about it. We probably have people probably fed up of hearing us talk about it at this point but this rookie class has been just unbelievable so far you know justin jefferson was like you know i wasn't like it wasn't that i disliked justin jefferson but he was like you know well down my list of people that i wanted to get on those rookie uh, rosters and most of it was down to his situation in minnesota and having kurt cousins as quarterback the offense wanting to run through dalvin cook and then having adam thielen as well but you mentioned how efficient thielen has been this year but Justin Jefferson just every time you seem to look he's making a big play he's in the end zone uh, he just looks tremendous um, uh, as a rookie it looks like he's been playing in the NFL for many years Chase Claypool uh, uh, I know we're still at the point of recording this waiting for to see what does shake out with that Steelers Ravens game uh, over the next couple of days but you know in terms of what he's done through the first 10 games basically of his NFL career has has been historic uh, looked tremendous so we're we're really just like very very fortunate with this rookie crop and you know there's there's lots of players in it that we're we've talked about LaVisca Chenault we've talked about Brant uh, Nayuk there's just so many names that we could talk about like you know the the two, top two guys you know not even the top two guys but like you know you have Henry Ruggs <laughs> there's just so many of them with Lamb with Judy uh, really really exciting time and we, we should be strong here for wide receivers especially when we talk about in the offseason players potentially making a second year leap uh, we're going to be looking at some some exciting prospects here who really have catapulted themselves into you know very very high class in terms of uh, rookie picks uh, you know if you're in a startup um, and in terms of if you're looking to make those trade negotiations but over the next couple of weeks I'm, I'm concerned about the, the Cincinnati situation quite a bit i think at this stage we kurt cousins has had some very good games this year um he's had some very bad games this year but i think we th- justin jefferson has to go in those lineups i think claypool has to go in those lineups um so higgins unfortunately i think is the one that we're going to be looking to set over the next uh, couple of weeks is that a situation 
uh, Sean, that you you're leaning into the same boat. Uh, I just think like we can't we can't have any faith really in in the Cincinnati quarterback room uh, unless there's drastic changes moving forward here. No, it's absolutely brutal, and uh, that was one of the things joking with Mike there that Curtis and I are looking at. You you can go very quickly in fantasy football from having these lineups that look absolutely stacked, and you can't really decide between guys you want to play to a couple of weeks later you know just digging for possibilities that's been exaggerated a little bit this year with the virus rules and uh, players being held out of those games like we saw with the Denver Broncos game this weekend but on that main event team you know, we have Will Fuller we have T Higgins Antonio Brown was a backstop there but with Fuller suspended Higgins now catching passes from you know who knows who on a on a weekly basis then very quickly you're having to look at your second third fourth fifth options and that's one of the reasons that we encourage listeners to really load up in the draft and get enough firepower that they can withstand some of these problems that arise during the course of the season and you know you mentioned those rookies one of the things that i'm extremely excited for 2021 is how those redraft uh, first six rounds are going to look we hear all the time okay well wide receiver is deep and that means you can draft these running backs first and then go to wide receiver there are certainly some circumstances in which you can do that we're not telling people to never do that i really like when the top six rounds have enough firepower that you can get five or six uh, that maybe even extending into round seven and eight you know get those guys and when you have players who are this good as rookies then that gives you just a ton of excitement about what they're going to do in that second year you know can they put up a 250 point 300 point season that really carries you to your title you're going to have a number of options in 2020 run one right not just you know one guy that you have to hit on Blair mentioning here in terms of Justin Jefferson and his pace he's at 182 fantasy points the only three guys in the last 20 years who've had more at this juncture of the rookie seasons are Anquan Bolden Michael Thomas and Marcus Colston he's number one among rookies in that time period of fantasy points over expectation so yes like you were saying Justin Jefferson looks like a star Uh, fortunately next year as we draft we're going to have multiple options in that category yeah that's for sure and uh, we kind of stole some of those uh from blair's report uh, and obviously we're looking at those tools up on the road of his website giving us that data and that information of course as always you can get that uh, access to pieces like blair's like sean's by signing up to a road of his nfl pass you can get a one-year subscription and get 10 percent off it by applying the code 2020 rv radio at checkout or by going to rotavis.com forward slash podcast for further information um all the content that's up there i know we talk about in the show sean but 2020 has been a, a phenomenal year for content on rotavis.com so highly urge the listeners if they haven't already to head on over check out all the great stuff we've got going on there uh, of course you can give us a written interview of your favorite podcast uh i'm going to call it your favorite podcast obviously if you're tuning in and you're staying with us all the way through here to the end uh, on your favorite podcast app and you can leave us a written review five star review helps us a lot here uh, and we do appreciate each and every one of them as always on the thursday show we will be doing some of your uh, listener suggestions your questions and so on and so forth so do send them to us uh, both to my twitter at overtime ireland and you can send them as well to road of radio at gmail.com we'll get to those on the show later this week and until we're back with another show my name's colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland and you can get all sean's great work up on rotoviz.com and until then have a good one 
Thank you for listening to Overtime on Road of His Radio. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at roadofhisradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Road of His Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Road of His with a discount through the Road of His Radio homepage, roadofhis.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>